بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم صدق الله العظيم Today inshallah we'll be starting with the name of Al-Aziz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name, his attribute Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala. And before going further I'd just like to remind that of course as we are talking about the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, try to take from each and every name the message that we can apply to our life and the method of connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through that name. Al-Aziz is driven from the word Azza Ya'izzu. And Azza Ya'izzu in Arabic language has two meanings. One is to be very powerful, strong, and this is why the name of Al-Aziz is translated as the Mighty. At the same time, Azza in Arabic language means when something is needed and there is extreme need of something and is difficult to find, you cannot find it. For example, if people are running out of food in town, everyone needs food. So people will be looking for that food and there is no food in the market. So in Arabic language they would call it Azza Ta'am, which means the food is not there in the market, but it's something that is needed to every person, every person needs it. When you don't find something and everyone is in need of it, normally the prices start getting very high. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with all of His names and attributes, there is no one like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is one of the reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is called Al-Aziz. Which means you don't find anything similar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is only one. <coughs> and everyone needs that one. This is one of the reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is called Al-Aziz. Which means someone that everyone would need. But you don't find too many of those. There is only one. And not nowhere in the world this name would fit better than fitting on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when we say about food, that this food is azal ta'am, that there is no food, which means still there is little bit that only some people can get. So still there is little bit of it, which means more than one. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is such a aziz that there is only one. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the same time, he made himself available to everyone. So it's not difficult to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but He's the only one. And this is why the word Aziz is used. And the other reason, as I mentioned, Aziz also means power. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most powerful one. At the same time, Aziz, Azza, means to defeat someone. A person that no one can overcome him. He is Aziz. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, is the one that no one can defeat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Quran, in Surah Sad, the word is used, وَعَزَّنِي فِي الْخِطَابِ A person came to uh, complain against his brother to Sayyidina Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam and he said, that he talked to me, and he defeated me in his talk. So he was very powerful when he talked to me, and I couldn't say nothing to him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one with his names and his attributes. No one is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Yasin used this word, Az. And the one from which the word Aziz is driven. This word is used in Surah Yasin. We sent two people to them. They rejected them. We sent two messengers to them. They rejected both of those messengers. See the word Azazna is the same driven from Azzayazu. Where the Aziz is driven from the same root word. So Azazna Bisalis means... We strengthen those two people through a third person. By sending a third person, we provide some strength to these two people. So Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who provides strength to every person who is connected to Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, recognizing Allah as Al-Aziz, that Allah is Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala, which means this person realizes that I'm connected to Allah who is all powerful and he's such a powerful that not only he has the power, but anyone that is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person is also becomes powerful. That person becomes Aziz also. It's a name that shows that how a person can get help in this world. Every human being needs a lot of help in this life. 
we all are very helpless. In every situation of our life, we are very helpless. Something happens and a person is out of control. Forget about people around us when they disobey us, when they do things where we feel that I don't know what to do about it. But we feel so helpless that I can, I can do nothing about it. You are in a meeting. The meaning is very important to you. You tried your best to present yourself in the best way possible in that meeting. Nice dress, good presentation, whatever else you can do. Now, in that meeting, all of a sudden, people started drinking and dancing. As a Muslim, all of your whole feeling will go upside down. You had so much expectation from this meeting and all of a sudden now, you feel that you are left out. You are not doing what others are doing. You can't do what they are doing. A person tried his best and now at the end he is helpless. Can't do nothing about it. You can't explain to no one. You can't talk to no one. No one would listen to you if you would. In every situation of our life, Things arise where we feel that, that's it, I don't know what to do anymore. That is the time when we really need our connection with Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I'm not helpless. There is someone there who's, who's going to help me. I can get someone's help at this point. And here I would remind you of the best example we have in our lives. Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He went to Taif. At what point did he go to Taif? At a time when he was totally rejected by the kuffar of Quraysh. Imagine a person who have lost the greatest help from the worldly point of view, the greatest help he had, that was his uncle and his wife. And now he has some young daughters. All of his daughters are from Khadija radiallahu anha. So we can imagine that he has four young daughters at his home. And his house is surrounded by people who day and night are plotting and planning to hurt him to the extent that they are looking forward to kill him. They would not hesitate to do anything they can to hurt him and his family. This person finally comes to a point where he decides that I have to go somewhere else to talk to some other people because these people would not listen to me anymore. Now, just look at the situation of the town where he lives in. The situation of the neighborhood where he is living and the situation of his own home where he has no man in that house and now he doesn't, have, he doesn't even have a grown-up person in that house. Four young daughters that he has in his house. Still, he decided that with the situation I'm running in, into this, in this town, I cannot continue with these people. I have to go and talk to some other people. And he went to Taif. Leaving your daughters 
in that situation. Surrounded by those type of people. We all read in the seerah, in the history, that it wasn't people who would come from other town to throw the thorns at his drawers. It was his own immediate neighbors that were doing that to him. And he is leaving his daughters in the same house and going to Taif. When he gets in Taif, we know the outcome, people rejected him. And he started running out of Taif and they continued stoning him. They stoned him so much that he could not walk anymore. Blood all over his body. Finally he fainted, fell down. And the next moment when we know about it, that as he became conscious, the first thing that he did after knowing what he is doing, was he was making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And look at his dua. إِلَّمْ يَكُنْ بِكَ عَلَيَّ غَضَبٌ فَلَا أُبَالِي Ya Allah, as long as you are not angry with me, then I'm ready to take all of this. But if this is coming as a sign of your anger, then Ya Allah, I cannot take it. But as long as you're happy, Ya Allah, then I'm ready to take all of this. Except if you have your rahmah on me, have mercy on me so I won't have to take this, it will be better for me, but I'm not complaining, I'm ready for it. After that, as he gets some water to wash himself, what is the next thing that we see him doing? He's up doing salah. And then we read, when the jinn came to him and they heard the recitation of Qur'an from Rasulullah There is a whole surah in Qur'an called Surah Al-Jinn in the 29th juz of Qur'an. When he's rejected by the kuffar of Quraysh, he's rejected by the people of Taif, these were the only two towns that were known to be big towns around there. That's it. If a person cannot get something done in these two cities, then there is no way the other cities or other small towns and villages would be able to do anything for this person. He won't be able to do anything out of these two towns if he is rejected by these two towns. And wherever he would go, they would be looking at these two towns. And the leader of these two towns. This is why one of the questions from the kuffar to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was, وَقَالُوا لَوْ لَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ They were saying, how, how come the Qur'an was not revealed to one of the leaders of one of these two towns? Qaryatin, these two towns. So people were looking up to the leaders of these towns. And he is rejected by these two towns, by the leaders and by the rest of the public. What do you think this man can do now? For a person like us, we may find ourselves at a dead end. That's it. I can do nothing more. Totally rejected by the people of these towns. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam realizes that these are not the people who would open or close any door for any person. 
Allah did not give them the keys to open or door these uh, or close these doors. Those keys are in the hands of Al Aziz Subhanahu wa Taala. And whenever his help will come, it will take some time. But as soon as his help will come, all doors will open. He did not worry about having large gatherings. He did not worry about having the leaders to follow. Poor people are coming. He says, welcome, mashallah. They are coming to him with a complaint also. That look, these people are sitting around you. The leaders are coming. If you ask these people to leave, then we'll come and sit with you. And at certain point he thought, nothing wrong of, in asking these people to leave for some time, and they can come back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who knows what goes through people's mind, He sent the ayahs in the Quran al-Kareem. وَاصْبِرْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيرِ the other ayah, وَلَا تَطْرُدِ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَةِ Never ask these people to leave who are praying to the Lord day and night, looking for the pleasure of Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew that the help is in the hands of Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we are looking for any strength in this life, that strength will come through our connection with Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is what this name gives us. Realization that our connection has to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And through that connection, we will have any strength, any power that we can have in this life. Looking for it from any other sources, it's a major mistake that we are making. And I'm not just talking about on a high scale, on a higher level. From any point, it could be the smallest thing in our life. Sometimes we think the glass of water is there. Okay, in the next moment I'll just get up and drink it. Never think that I need Allah's help to get up, to drink it, and to digest it. It only looks like it's a glass of water. All of a sudden, we take a sip of it. And the person starts coughing and does not stop until the person ends up in the hospital. He's getting chopped with just some drops of water that went into wrong place. It seems so simple that it's only a glass of water. I can pick it up, drink it, do whatever I want. It's so simple. But we always need this strength from Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala for doing anything and everything. Whatever that might be. Anything in our life. First thing, turn to Al-Aziz subhanahu wa ta'ala Ask him to give you the iz, the strength to be able to do it. And then start doing that work. Just, it takes a moment. It takes a few seconds just to turn. Ya Allah, Ya Aziz, remember that name of Allah. Ya Aziz, I need the strength of doing this. 
because he's Aziz, he's the one who would provide that strength. Another attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Jabbar. Very interesting name. When it's used for human beings, it has a totally different meaning than when it's used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we don't want to just use that meaning for Allah because we believe this is what it should be. Therefore, let me explain the literal meaning of Al-Jabbar. Jabbar in Arabic language has two meanings. The root word is Jim Ba Ra, Jabbar. It has two meanings. One, to forcefully do something. This is Jabbar. To forcefully do something. The other person doesn't want to do it, you make him do it. Everyone is opposing it, you force it on all of those people and you want them to do it. And you make them do it. You bring the whole army and let the army stand over there. If you don't do it, you will lose your life. This is Jabbar. Another meaning of Jabbar is to fix something that is broken. This is also the meaning of Jabbar. This is why in Arabic language, a bandage is called Jabira. The word for bandage is Jabira. And especially the big ones. The kind of one that we use when there is a broken bone and you apply some plaster on it, it's called Jabira. When you look into the Islamic books, looking for a rule of how to make wudu and how to take shower, ghusl, at the time when you have a bandage, you will be looking for the word Jabira in Islamic books. So, two meanings of Jabir. One is to fix something that is broken. The other is to forcefully do something. And the word Jabir normally has both of these meanings together. Now, when a human being does something forcefully, normally that person cannot stop at any limit. Stopping at our limits and not going beyond it, not transgressing any limits is very difficult when a person starts getting of the habit of doing jibber on people. And this is why when this word is used for any rulers, any person in position, that he is Jabbar, which means he's very tyrant ruler. This Malik is Jabbar. This king is Jabbar, which means he's a very tyrant ruler. What does it mean? That he's forcing things on people that people don't want to do. When it is used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, in Allah Allah does not do wrong to people. But yes, Allah does force us to do certain things. What are those things? The things where there is fixing of something. 
So Allah forces us to go through certain situations that we don't like to go through in order to fix some of our situations. This is Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now we can understand why this word is used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Normally it's translated as the compeller. But you don't get the full meaning of Al-Jabbar by the translation. This is why I try to explain, just like when a person is having a surgery. Especially a better example maybe in a situation of a child. Who doesn't want to go through it? He knows the doctor is going to cut him. The doctor is going to cut some part of his body. He does not want to go through that pain. The parents will forcefully take the child to the doctor. The doctor will make sure that he performs that surgery on this child, even though the child doesn't want to go through it. The child is crying. He feels, I will have a lot of pain. And that's true too. We are not saying he is not going to have no pain at all. Yes son, you will have some pain. But you have to go through it. Why? Otherwise, there is a danger of losing your life. Or danger of losing of some part of your body. If you go through the surgery, then at least you will, have the, you will have this little pain, but at least you will not be going through those major difficulties that you may go through them otherwise. In this situation, we may say that this physician, this surgeon is Jabbar. That forcefully is doing something, but not to hurt. The purpose is to fix. Although, the person who would go through that procedure will be having some pain at this time and a little later too. Here we can understand, at certain points in our life when we don't understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala, we start having questions. Why do I have to go through this hardship? That is a surgery that is must for this person at this time. And because of our limited understanding, we don't understand it. You explain to the child for days that look, you have to go through the surgery. And he's going to cut some, some portion of your body, but you must go through it. And at the end, what is the time for him to go? You may even ask him earlier because you explained so much to him that you may ask him and say, okay, okay, I'm ready for that. But when the time would come, now he doesn't want to go for it. Same thing with us. We understand Allah is the doer of everything. Whatever happens in this world is by the will of Allah. But as soon as we get into the situation, now I don't want to go through it. I want to give up now. Of course, it's not within our control. So we can do nothing about it except to complain and complaining is one of the most dangerous thing at that time. Complaining at that time is worse than child running away from the room where the surgery is being performed. At this time, complaining means you're ruining your relationship, total relationship with this doctor now, the one who's treating you. He will not treat you anymore. 
He will tell you, okay, go through all the diseases that you have to go through in your life. And they will be worse than the situation that will be waiting for you ahead of you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fixing our situations by making us go through certain things. In many cases, we have made some major mistakes in our lives. We made some major mistakes in our life that many times we don't even pay attention to. We don't even realize that I have done these things in my life. But at the, at the end, when the result is seen and we see it in our lives, we cannot take it. A person who has been told by the physicians not to eat meat, not to eat sugar, not to eat anything sweet, not to eat eggs, not to eat fish, and he goes back home and he says, you know, who cares about these doctors? And he keeps on eating all of that. He feels sick, he says, no, if I go to the doctor, he's going to tell me, don't eat. Don't eat these things. And I love to eat these things. I can't give them up. So he wants to continue eating the very same thing. Now, finally, when he goes to the doctor, doctor says, now the situation is much worse than it was before. And he prescribes some more difficult treatment to this person, where this person now is day and night is in pain. No, I can't do this. Now he's telling me I have to stay in the hospital. I, I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to stay away from them. Look at what you have done. This is only the result of your own deeds. The doctor is not doing wrong to you. Now you go to every person and say, you know, that doctor never go to him. I went to him earlier and he told me not to eat these things. And then I ate them and the, when I went to, them again, I went to him again and now he, pres he prescribed even a worse medicine to me. And the treatment he has prescribed to me is so difficult and it's, I'm so tired of it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You can complain. And everyone will tell you it's all your own deed. When he asked you not to eat these things, they would be harmful to you. Why did you continue with them? You were supposed to stop. And if you did not, these are the results of the same thing. If we look at our lives, we continue doing wrong one after another, one after another. All of a sudden, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Quran, وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ Any difficulty that you go through in your life is because of your own hands or because of your own earnings, your own deeds. But he tells us, وَيَعْفُوا عَنْ كَثِيرٍ He says, I forgive most of those things. I just make you go through few things for one or two of your deeds. And the reason for that is, so that you start realizing the wrong that you have done and you correct your situation before you see the result of it at a time when there will be nothing in your control and you won't be able to fix it. He keeps on showing us minor things in our lives. When a person does not pay any attention to these minor things, then some of the major ones will come. Remember, these major ones are also the Rahmah of Allah and they are a blessing of Allah. 
Say if a person would not have to go through any of these, all of a sudden the person died. And he faces Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all of those situations, all of his wrongdoings, all of his sins that he was committing in his life, never realized that he did anything wrong and therefore never repented, never tried to correct his situation. What will happen to this person at that time? This is the rahmah of Allah. That maybe after 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, something happens. Now, this person has only five years more to live. Take this example. He has only five more years to live. He doesn't know. All of a sudden, at certain age, he's shaken up. Allah made him go through some situations where he really shook the person up. The person started thinking of his past and took the right step toward the future. Changed his life. He started bringing the change. Could not change overnight, but mentally he's changed. Now he's working on bringing that change into his life, into his house, into his family. He starts taking those steps. What could five years do after 50 years? So, he was able to achieve only few things in these five years and he died. We learn in this deen of Allah that as this person took this step towards those changes, he will be treated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment as if he had brought, made all of these changes and he succeeded in bringing these changes in his life. This is how he will be treated. Very simple example of it, the hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari. A person who killed 99 people, then he killed one more, 100 people. He's going to the other town. His hope is, he's going to go there, spend some time with some virtuous people, so that he can change his life. As he's going to the town, he died on his way. He died on his way. He did not get the chance to even get to the town. Forget about doing anything good. The plan is, as I get over there, I be with those people, then I will change. So he's going over there for that change, but these are the only steps that he's taking, that he's just going towards the town, and he died on his way. The hadith is long, and you may have heard it many times. Rasulullah says, that person finally was forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was treated as, he have not, as if he has never done any of these wrong deeds in his past, and... He did all the good that he was planning to go over there and do. So he was treated as if he was one of those virtuous people that he was going to be with. SubhanAllah, this is the Rahmah of Allah. So now, the point that I was mentioning, the hardships and difficulties that we go through, and especially at certain age, where a person feels, I can't take it really. Why it came to me at this, at this stage of my life? If it was earlier, the person may not have paid any attention to it. Now all of a sudden, when this difficulty came, when a hardship came, the person started thinking about it. He was reminded by Allah. Somehow a reminder came to him that look, all of this is the result of your own deeds. Why don't you correct your situation? Why don't you do what you were supposed to do earlier, instead of doing it now? And this person starts bringing the change, on his way to that change, he dies. 
So this is Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala who forcefully fixes our situation even if we don't want to do, go through it, he makes us go through that surgery. He makes us have that type of surgery done on ourselves, on our lives. This is not a surgery that is being done only on one part of the body. This is a surgery that is being done on a life of a 50 years person, a person who did 50 years, something different. And now he has to take a step towards the change. It won't be that easy. So some major surgeries may be needed. And therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes He shakes us up really bad. At that time, if our connection is with Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have that connection with Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala, right away we will realize that Allah is trying to correct me. If the connection is not there, the person will start crying, will start shouting, will start complaining. The hardship he's going through, he has to go through it because he's paying for his own deed. But the only thing that would happen now is no more corrections. The relationship is broken. Now, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran al-Kareem, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِي قَرْيَةٍ مِّن نَذِيرٍ إِلَّا أَخَذْنَا أَهْلَهَا بِالْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَضَرَّعُونَ فَلَوْلَا إِذْ جَاءَهُمْ بَأْسُنَا تَضَرَّعُوا وَلَكِنْ قَصَدْ خُلُوبُهُمْ وَزَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ That whenever any nation disobeyed, they went away from the right track, we shook them up. أَخَذْنَا أَهْلَهَا بِالْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ We made them go through hardships and difficulties. And the purpose for that was, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَضَرَّعُونَ So that they may repent. They may come back to me. They may realize that they were going in the wrong direction in their lives. But Allah says, the problem was many of them, when they saw themselves going in the wrong direction, they did not repent. Their hearts started getting very hurt. They would not come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَكِنْ قَصَدْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَزَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ And shaitan beautified their deeds to them. Yes, continue doing it. You cannot give it up. Just like the doctor says, don't eat this, but you say, you know, I can't give it up. So, the person wants to continue eating the same thing that is harmful to his body. Allah tells us, this is haram, this is not good, this is not allowed, this is not the right way of life. The person says, I can't give it up. So the results will be there then. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells us in the same ayah, فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا When they forget what they were reminded of, when they forget the reminders of Allah, they neglect all the reminders of Allah, فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبْوَابَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ We open the doors of all the worldly gain to them. Here, take whatever you want. You want wealth? Take wealth. You want nice castles, you want cars, you want whatever you need, take it. فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبْوَابَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى إِذَا فَرِحُوا بِمَا أُوتُوا Once they start getting arrogant because of what they have, all of a sudden we get them. That is the debt. Now the person did not face the result of his deeds or her deeds in this life, they will have to face it in the hereafter. So it's the rahmah of Allah that we get shaken up a little bit over here, we come back. We come back, it's a great rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, 
when a mu'min dies. The death for a mu'min is difficult. Even at the time of death, mu'min goes through some difficulty. Through a lot of pain. And through that pain, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala washes some of the sins that he carries on him or her, so that when the person is gone in his grave and faces Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's clean and pure. This is al-jabbar. I'm just explaining through these few examples that what is al-jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala and what is our connection with al-jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala, how to establish this connection with al-jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala. So al-jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala who forcefully fixes our situations. Now, when the question comes into our mind that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rahim, he's kareem, he's merciful, why so many things are happening in the world? Why so many people, thousands of people die at once? Why there is so much earthquake? Why all of these wars? Why all of this is taking place? It's only the result of some of our deeds. If the bad people are not punished in the world, if the wrongdoers are not punished, if there is a country that says that you can do whatever you want, you can rob people, you can steal, you can do whatever you want, you won't be punished. How many of us would decide to go and live in that country? How many of us would feel safe living, living in that country? No one wants to live there. So this is the rahmah of Allah, that whenever there is wrong, something comes. He shakes us up. He takes some people. Not necessarily that those are the only wrongdoers. It's the reminder for the rest of us. That the same thing can, come, can happen to me, what happened to that person. See, in Islamic law, we have to remember this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He talks about Islamic punishments, He says when you punish these people, when you apply the punishment, apply it publicly. At a place where all people will be able to see, gather the people. وَالْيَشْهَدْ This is in Surah An-Nur. وَالْيَشْهَدْ عَذَابَهُمَا طَائِفَةٌ مِّنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Have a large group of mu'mineen come and witness the punishment. Why? The purpose is not just to punish this person is to prevent the rest of the people from doing something similar, similar to that. that. Look, this is what happened to this person, you don't want to be in that position tomorrow. So you don't want to do that. It's not like the punishments that normally other countries and other laws in the world would teach that you're killing a person by an electrical shock. Make him sit on a chair and then at a place where no one sees the person and an electrical shock that no one knows how much pain the person is going through, just kill him in that manner. No, Islam, the purpose of Islam is not just to kill this man. It's not just to punish this person. It's to let the rest of the people know that, look, this is how bad this thing was, and you don't want to end up being in that position tomorrow. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through these different situations in the world, is showing us that, look, there is no power in the world that will stop Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from doing anything. Nothing would work when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would plan to do something. So Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala, he keeps on fixing our situations in many different ways. Every situation that we run through, you see anything happens in our life, good or bad. Remember, it's a situation that came from Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala and is fixing my situation 
Even if I'm going through a difficulty, it's from Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there is something good for me in this situation. And I will get good benefit out of it if I trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, our relationship with Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala will always make us take any situation that we go through, and that situation will make us, if it is a difficult situation, will should make us realize of the wrongdoings of our past, and correct our situation, fix the things to, uh, that we were doing, uh, that were wrong in our lives, and plan for the future how you're going to bring the changes. This is all part of our connection with Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the benefit of our connection with this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anytime, any difficulty, Ya Jabbar. Ya Allah, Ya Jabbar. And this will remind you of the one who is correcting our situation. He doesn't hurt us for no reason. The surgeon is not doing the surgery, is not cutting people for no reason. Al-Jabbar subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't want to hurt us. So as he is Rahim, he is Al-Jabbar at the same time. He's very merciful. And at the same time, he would like to fix our situation. This is part of his Rahmah, so that at the end, we won't end up being punished in Akhirah, where there would be much worse punishment than any punishment a person can go through in this life. At the same time, we need to remember, we cannot be in the position of just forcing things on people. So this quality is not good for human beings, where they're always enforcing their opinions, their ways of life, and this is all they want. So jabr in human beings is not good, where they're just being forceful to every person, and no rahmah, no mercy, because when a human being starts doing that, then loses his rahmah, his kindness to people. That becomes a quality where a person is only being forceful and he wants to force himself and his opinions and his ways on every person. This is not good for human beings, but of course for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because Allah always has justice and he has his rahmah and his rahmah is greater always. Therefore, there is a balance over there. We will not be able to keep that balance. Another attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-mutakabbir. It's similar to al-jabbar. Al-Mutakabbir, normally people really have a difficulty understanding this attribute of Allah, that when this word is used for human beings, it's translated as arrogant. But we translate the same word for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as majestic. A person who's great. Let us understand the word Mutakabbir, what does it literally mean? Kibir means to be big. Allahu Akbar is driven from the same root word, Akbar. The word is Kaburayakburu, is to be big. Akbar is bigger, greater. Mutakabir is the one who tries to prove himself great. He wants to prove himself to be greater than others. So he considers himself greater than others, simply means the opposite of that will also be true, which means others are less than him. Everyone else is less important than he, he is or she is because he is al-mutakabbir, that person is proving himself to be great. So simply al-mutakabbir will always mean a person who tries to prove himself great. Now when it comes to human being, 
When a human being would try to do something like that, of course this will be arrogance because it's wrong. Let's try to understand this when it comes to human beings. Try to think a person in your life who got to a situation where he really became a great person. Think of the greatest person you can imagine. If, that, if a person will get to that level, he will be really great. What will be that position? So let's say, we say that person becomes a king. And then such a king, such a ruler, that he rules the whole world. There is no other king in the world. There is no other ruler in the world. And he is very powerful. Everyone is following his orders. He says whatever he wants and it will be obeyed. And he asks for whatever he wants and he would get it. No disobedience at all. No even fear of anyone would harm this person at all. Okay, let's say this person got all of this. So he controls all the wealth that is existence that exists in this dunya. And he controls, say, he even got even more control, which we can never have, but he got even more control that now he can even order the fish in the ocean to bring all the pearls and they would bring it out. He orders the mountain of gold to bring him pure gold and he gets it. But after all, this very same person who got to that position, how was he born? What is he made out of? What does he think that he went through the stages he went through in his life before he came to existence. And who can deny that? The dirty drop, being in the womb of a mother, where the person is being nourished by that blood. This is where the person was surrounded by all the najasa, all the dirt in there. And at the end, this person has no way of going anywhere after he dies, but to be buried under the ground. And then, all kind of insects eating up his body, the eyes falling apart, there are insects inside the mouth that are eating up his tongue, everything is rotten. If that very same body was kept into a neighborhood, the whole neighborhood will run out of that place after a few days, after some days or after a week, because of the smell, because of the smell of it, of the body. So now, after having all of these things in the dunya, but realizing at these realities of the life, can a person think that I'm really greater than everyone else? What makes him great? Right away he should think of the angels who did not go through any of these things. They did not go through any of these najasa, any of these dirt. And throughout our lifetime, every day we have to deal with najasa, with dirt. This is the very same person that is considered to be very great. So what is greatness then? If we look at the reality, even if a person would achieve the highest in one field, in other fields, he is not there. There are people better than him. A person who is very knowledgeable, he is not physically very strong. A person who is very strong, 
he may not be the most knowledgeable. A person who may even have both of these, he is not very wealthy. A person who has the wealth, he doesn't have honor in the community. I mean, look at somewhere in our life where we are missing something. A doctor is not a lawyer. Lawyer is not a plumber. Plumber is not an architect. And you keep on going on. So every person is something, but he is not many other things. There he's missing a lot of other things in his life. So when I, depending on some knowledge that I have, I would say, I'm the greatest person. What does that mean? Is this is a true statement that I'm the greatest person? I mean, can that be a true statement for any human being where right away a person would tell me that, you know, what, what do you say about this medicine? Well, I don't know about it. So that person will say, I'm greater than you in knowing about medicine. All of a sudden a person comes and he asks me, you know, uh, the roof is leaking, how to fix it? No idea. So what is greatness for a human being? If it is knowledge, it will be knowledge of only one field. If it is strength, it will be only in certain level of our life and certain positions in our life. So every person has something and missing a lot of other things in his life. What is then kabir for us? Why? What is greatness for us then? And then if a person tries to be mutakabir, which means tries to claim greatness, it's totally wrong for, for this person to do it, because the real greatness belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. There is no one else. Where everything is there, there is nothing that he is missing. And we are missing millions of things if we have one thing. And even in the field that many times, this is the reality also, that the field that where we feel we are great, we may feel, we may find many other people who are much better than us in the very same field. But all we want to do is just prove ourselves. That's all. Every greatness in this world belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore, when we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-mutakabbir, when we say Allah is mutakabbir, simply means Allah claims, yes, never hesitate to say this, that Allah really claims the greatness because He is great. And it suits Him to claim the greatness. If He is great, He should claim it. And for us, since it does not suit us, it does not fit on us. We are not in that position. Therefore, the only thing that suits us is humbleness. These are totally two opposite things. A person trying to be proving himself great, on the other hand, a person is trying to be humble. And now, what does humbleness mean when we are talking in this context as the opposite of greatness? Which means, try to prove yourself nothing. is not just... Show others that you are nothing. And in your heart you feel, I'm everything. In our heart, that should be the understanding, this should be the feeling, I'm nothing really. And in reality, if you look at ourselves, what are we? Really is nothing. And a human being, even if he would become anything, he is still nothing. A person who starts getting so high, all of a sudden, you go and do something in front of this person that he does not like. A per this person will start getting angry. 
do it more. After some time, he's so angry that he is out of his own control. He has no control over himself. He says things that later on when he is going to think about it and he will be told that this is what you said, he will be ashamed of himself. The very same person who was crying to prove that I'm so great, he has no control even over himself. And when we look at our own souls, most of the time we are trying to prove our greatness because of certain things that we have. I have a nice car, so I feel that I'm great because I have this car. When I'm sitting in this car, and you think about the position really if a person goes through that situation, when you sit in that car and you're driving it, you, others are looking at you, you feel so great. Now, the very same person, he goes somewhere out of his car, he left the car, parked the car in the parking lot, he went inside. There was a big queue there. He's standing in the queue. And someone comes and gets in front of him. And now he feels so humiliated. I wish he knows what type of car I drive so he won't get in front of me. He wants this person to know what type of car I drive. But that person doesn't care, doesn't know, and doesn't even want to know at this time. You go somewhere, and you are being treated in a way where you feel humiliated. You want to know what type of neighborhood you live in. You wish you can tell that person somehow, you know, my house worth a million. You want to let him know somehow, so that because you feel that you're being humiliated at this point, and your honor and respect is through that house that you have, so you want that person to know that you have that type of house. And when you are out of that house, out of that neighborhood, out of that car, the person feels that really everyone is looking down at me. People don't know my position at this time. A person maybe very wealthy, and his, the type of job that he does is something where gives him, that gives him a lot of honor. People honor him at his office, at his job, at his workplace. And whenever someone knows about it, they really pay him a lot of respect because of it. He goes somewhere. And children are playing. He says to one of those children, you know, don't do this. And he says, who are you to tell me this? Mind your own business. And he feels like he wants to tell him, you know, I'm that doctor, I'm that architect, I'm that person. It's only because he's out of his office now, he's not having that respect, and he feels himself that I'm really being humiliated. And the way I can get my respect back is by letting this person know that, you know, this is what I am. I'm of this field. This is what I do in my life. How many times? Don't try to hide it. Just say to yourself, I don't want to know. How many times when we are sitting in a gathering, we would like people to know what type of work I do. And when you are leaving, you want that person to know what type of car you have driven. Because when you came in, you are expecting the person to be looking from the window or standing at the door to see that car. But And this is why especially you brought that car today, but he did not come out to see it. So throughout the time, there is something telling you that, you know, you should do something where he should come out of the house and see that, okay, you came in this car. 
Now, all of these things that we have, whether it's knowledge that I'm proud of, or my wealth, or my car, my house, number one, even in this dunya, in this world, we have them for a very short period. And every sometime we are out of these things, out of these positions. With my knowledge, I end up being at a place where people have no regard for knowledge. They don't care about knowledge. They feel, I have wasted my life by spending so much years learning. Oh, you know, you should have come into this field of bodybuilding. Why were you doing studying in this school for so many years? What did you get out of it? Look at my muscles. I can't convince that person, that's it. So to that person, I'm nothing. And I thought I was everything because of my knowledge. So even within our life, although we have those things, but there is always a time when we are out of them, or we are at a place where people don't regard those things, have no regard for them, have no respect for it. But at the end, even if we have it all the time, at the end, a time would come when this person is going to leave this dunya. And when we are placed in our graves, believe me, if this is our position in this dunya, that we like people to know that what we are, our degrees, our education, our wealth, our cars, our homes, our situation in the community, our positions, and we are just proud of this and this is what we depend on, in our graves, we will be so humiliated. Because we would like the angels to know that this is who I am and they don't care. And they don't want to know. And if we tell them, it may turn the other way. Oh, okay, so you just wasted your life in that thing there. Come, here, let us show you what to do. So the point is, when the kibr comes, the greatness of a person comes into his mind that I'm something because of any of these things, then at that time the person will be totally helpless and will feel humiliated himself. Just like when we are depending on certain, certain things and then when you don't have it, you feel that really you are being humiliated. You drive a rental car, that was, they gave you an old rental car. <laughs> You go to somewhere with that car, you want the person to know, you know, this is not my car, this is a rental car. My car is a different one. And if this is what we depend on, in our graves, none of these things will be there. And a person will feel that now I have nothing really to depend on. But if we depend on our iman in this life, on our a'mal salih good deeds, they will be with us over there. They will not leave us, even there. Anyway, I don't want to change the topic and go into the details of the iman and a'mal. The point is greatness. What makes us great? What makes us better? When a person feels I'm great, when a person starts having these type of feelings, right away we should look at our own reality, our beginning who we are, what are we, what are we made out of. When a person forgets himself, we don't realize our own beginning, we don't realize our own end, we don't realize our own souls within this dunya, that every day we have to deal with our own najasa, 
You see dirt out there, you close your eyes, you hold your nose. But the same thing, we go to the toilet, we sit in the bathroom. At that time, we need to really ask ourselves, who are we? With all the greatness that I'm trying to prove to people, this is my reality. So greatness belongs to Allah only. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attribute is Al-Mutakabbir. The one, again, I would say the one who claims the greatness for himself. And of course, when he claims it, he's very true in that claim. And therefore, it suits him. And if we would claim it, that will be a lie. That will be just mocking people or trying to show things that we don't have. Therefore, the only thing that suits human beings is humbleness. And again, I have to explain humbleness in brief also, that humbleness does not mean that you try to do things where others will have the feeling that you are being humble. This is also arrogance. This is part of the arrogance. You do something where you want people to feel that you're very humble. I would do something, so people will say, you know, mashallah, he's imam and he's learned and still he did this, you know, with that, so he's humble. And I did it with, it with that intention. Allah knows. If anyone else won't find out, this arrogance will come out on the day of judgment. It won't be hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I can cheat people, but not Allah. So the real humbleness is when a person realizes I'm nothing. And in reality, this is what it is. If we look at ourselves, we are nothing. And therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves this quality of human being when they are humble and when they put themselves down for, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say for example, you enter the room and there is a place to sit on a couch. You didn't sit on the couch, you went and sat on the floor. To prove yourself humble. And other people came and sat up there. So now there is a feeling in your heart that you know, let, I'm really, I should be humble. And I should let the other people sit up. Alhamdulillah, I did something very great today. I did very great that I practiced the humbleness in my life that I allowed the other person to sit up. What does this mean? It simply means something in my heart is telling me that really I deserve to sit up there. But I humbled myself and sat down. This is not humbleness. Humbleness is really, this is Allah's blessing that I'm even allowed to sit down here. If people would know my deeds, if people would know who I am, what I have done in the past, they won't even allow me to be with them. And even if they take my name in their gathering, they will be cursing at me. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rahmat that I'm sitting with these people here. So really, this is the quality that we need to create in our souls. Our relationship, our connection with Al-Mutakabbir subhanahu wa ta'ala will be that we always realize that all greatness belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are nothing. No matter what people would say about me, all the people can say you are great. This is only a rahmah of Allah. But I know myself. And I know my reality. 
So I should not really try to prove myself anything more than what I am. And in this regard, of course, I have to admit that mostly this arrogance, which we call it takabbur, arrogance, is more amongst the people who have the knowledge of deen than anyone else. Because through this knowledge you gain respect. As soon as the person starts getting little respect, he himself starts feeling that I'm getting somewhere. I'm, getting, I'm doing better. And I'm better than these people. I did two extra rak'ahs, they didn't do it. I'm better than these people. Subhanallah. Who knows that the two rak'ah of this person may be better than my eight rak'ahs. The reward of his two rak'ahs may be greater than the reward of my ten rak'ahs. Wallahu alam. Never look down at others because of what you have. Never knows what is accepted, what is rejected. Final results depend on what is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person who may have left his family in a very terrible situation and he just couldn't make it, couldn't spend any more time. He ran to the masjid, performed Salat al-Fajr Fard with the Jama'ah, and then he went back home. He couldn't stay, stay with us. He couldn't sit to talk, to listen to our talks, or to give a talk, or to spend or some extra time to recite Quran in the masjid. We did all of that. But the situation that he came and he left behind him, and that was going through his mind, coming in that situation to perform Turaqah Salah, may be greater than all the other things that we are doing here. Who knows? We have no knowledge about these things. So anything we do, yes, do it. Do as much as you can. Never let that feeling comes to you that because of doing this, we are greater than others. It's Alhamdulillah Allah allowed us to do it, but that does not make us greater than others. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was taken for Isra and Mi'raj, one of the greatest miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm not saying is the greatest miracle, it's one of the greatest miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Isra and Mi'raj. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about it, in Quran al-Kareem, what does he say? Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi. Glory to Allah, who took who? Does not say who took his messenger. Did not say bi nabiyyihi. Did not say bi rasulihi. Did not even mention the name bi Muhammad. He said bi abdihi. Glory to Allah who took his servant. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam really proved himself to be the true humble servant of Allah, Allah gave him that high position there. So going on a higher position will be by realizing our real position then you will get that position. And if you try to go high, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put the person down. Yes, many times in this dunya it may not be seen. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment will call all of those people that were arrogant and they tried to prove themselves in this life. Allah will call them and will put them into the form of small ants on the day of judgment and all the other people will be walking on them. This is the type of humiliation these people will have to go through. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, 
a type of neck will come out of the Jahannam. And will say that Allah asked me to take every arrogant person and a tyrant person into Jahannam and will start picking up all of those people and three people. It will say that I am Bikulli Jabbar, every tyrant ruler and Mutakabbir, every person that was arrogant and tried to prove himself something in this dunya and Wabil Musawwireen and every person who used to take pictures. These are the three type of people that I will take and I'm supposed to take, pick up all of those people and throw them into Jahannam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that arrogance. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the hadith, a person will have an autumn of arrogance in his heart will not be allowed in Jannah on the day of judgment. Until of course it's cleaned. In another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Al-kibriya'u rida'i wal-azamatu izari Greatness is my sheet. Kibriya and Azama, they all both have the same meaning, similar meaning. Greatness. Greatness is my sheet. Whoever will try to take my sheet from me, I will throw him into Jahannam. With this I must remind. Many times when we work towards humbleness, there will be two things that really will disturb us. Number one, if a person is sincere, then... He will be disturbed that I'm trying to be, but there is some feeling inside my heart that tells me you are something. You know, people are looking at you in this way. If it's just a feeling, don't pay attention to it. Don't let it disturb you. You know who you are. We know what we are. And keep on dealing with people accordingly. Rasulullah wasallam, in spite of being so great, such a great prophet of Allah, such a great person, when he is invited somewhere, he just goes there and eats even to the house of the poorest person. He was invited by a Sahari. That day, look at the humbleness of Rasulullah That day, that Sahabi had some extra work to do. He used to sew clothing for others. He was a tailor. So this day he had some extra work to do. And of course he had invited Prophet so when Rasulullah sallallahu came, he put the food and he said, Ya Rasulullah, you start eating. And he's sitting next to him and he's doing his work, sewing his clothes. And Rasulullah sallallahu eats as much as he wants. And then he said, Jazakallah khair, assalamu alaykum. Subhanallah, look at the humbleness. We feel that, look, he's not paying any attention to me, he's doing his own work. Why did he invite me if he didn't have no time for me? Rasulullah sallallahu goes to a sahabi's home. He knocks at the door three times. Then hear the reply, he goes back. How many times we find in the hadith, a woman sends a message, Ya Rasulullah, I need to talk to you. If you please come to my home. She doesn't come there. Because of the purpose of the hijab, and there are other men in the masjid, and she may not get the chance to talk. Ya Rasulullah, I need to talk to you. Whenever you have a chance, please stop by my house, I need to talk to you about it. SubhanAllah, and he goes, he doesn't say, no, no, I'm a prophet of Allah, you know. You shouldn't call me like this. The hadith says, any person, sometime young girls, they would come, Ya Rasulullah, I need to ask you something. <laughs> okay, what do you need to ask? Ya Rasulullah, not here, in private. And she would hold his hand and take him away at the far corner of the street. And Sahaba are waiting in the masjid. And he goes with her and he listens to her and he pays full attention to her and answers all of her questions. When she is done, he would come back. Rasulullah for us, 
a person gets to a little position, I don't want to eat with you. And then I want to keep my position higher. And I want to stay always, keep my distance from you people. SubhanAllah. If we are following the steps of Rasulullah then we need to see these things in our lives. It's not to judge others. Don't judge others. We need to look at ourselves. These things, our deen, our ilm, or whatever else we have, should make, bring more humbleness to us. Should make us closer to people, not distant from people. And unfortunately, another thing that we see, with a little position the person has, just feels that everyone should pay me higher respect now. This is a sign that scholars always mention, a sign of arrogance. That when you, when you feel that this person should have treated me in much higher way, much better way than it is. Yes, if a person humiliates another person, it's different. But in a normal position, where he feel, the way he treats his own friends, the way he treats his people, he was treating us that way, alhamdulillah, mashallah, very nice. So expectations that, okay, I should be treated this way, and when I go over there, they should do this for me, and they should plan this for me, and they should invite so many people for me. These are all signs of arrogance. We should always try to look at these things and treat this disease, one of the major disease, kibr, greatness, it only suits Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين والمسلمات وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين.